uh, to just kind of get into it about what we're going to be talking about today. Essentially, um, you guys see the title up here, right? It says, how do I get through this? How do I get through this? Which I think at some point in our lives, each and every one of us has asked this. Uh, maybe, of, maybe of the Lord, or maybe we were just asked it in general. We didn't know who to ask this. How do I get through this? We're talking about trials. We're talking about hard times, things that we have to go through that sometimes we don't want to go through. And sometimes they're sudden. Um, and the Lord kind of had put it on my heart because, you know, Pastor Manny going through what he's going through. I, again, I don't know all the details. I want, don't want to over or understate it. I, I don't really know um, what's going on with his mom. I know she was having heart issues and she was in the ICU at, at one point. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's there just spending time with her. Told me, he told me on Monday that she's doing a little bit better. But again, I, I don't know all the details. I don't want to act like I do. Um, but I just started thinking about that, you know. And then um, Tuesday, yesterday, we got news about... Um, you know, a young man who had passed, uh, that's pretty connected to this church. Um, he doesn't attend here, but at one point he did, and, and he's a relative of, of Pastor Rich and Veronica um, and Stephanie and Ray Saldana, if you know them as well. Um, he died suddenly. And again, I, I don't want to share any details on that because I, I don't really know. You know, I, I won't ever share details if I didn't get them firsthand, uh, but I do know that. And that's been something that's been heavy on my heart. Um, and it just brought me to realize, you know, that we're all going to go through hard times at one point in our lives, you know. Um, if we haven't already, uh, we're going to. You know, there's a saying that says, you know, if you're, not, if you're not in a trial, you're either coming out of one or about to go in one, right? And it's true. Uh, but we have to make sure that for us as Christians, we know what to do when the time comes, when trials do come, because they are going to come, right? And so there was one time I was giving a study to the young adults, and I made it basically about spiritual instincts. You guys know what regular instincts are, Right? what our natural instincts are as humans. Like, let's pretend none of you know how to swim, right? Let's pretend, maybe some of you guys don't, but <laughs> let's pretend none of you know how to swim, right? And if I threw one of you into the, into the deep side of the pool, what would you instantly start doing? You start fighting for your life, right? You start fighting for your life. You start kicking, maybe even calling for help, paddling, doggy paddling, doing whatever you can to stay alive, right? Because we have this natural instinct built within us that if we're in danger, we need to survive, Right? We need to survive. I need to make sure that I'm not about to drown and that I can continue to breathe. But what we don't realize is that sometimes that happens to us spiritually as well. But we have these natural instincts, but do we have these spiritual instincts? That in times when life gets hard, in times when things happen unexpectedly, in times when we're suffering, do your spiritual instincts kick in on how to not only survive through trial, but thrive through trial? To actually do well, to not only go through something, but to grow through something through the Lord. And it's only through the Lord that you can, right? Because again, we've all been through trials. We've been through trials as a church. Different people passing. I think of so many people that we've lost throughout this church. I think of the things that I've been through. For those of you that don't know, there's just several things. I've had several near-death experiences throughout my life that have brought me closer to the Lord. I've, I've had my, my home and my livelihood threatened by wildfires twice in my life where I had to be evacuating in the, in the middle of the night. Um, and, for, and for those of you that don't know, at the age of 21, I had a girlfriend that, that passed away from cancer. Right? And so there's a lot of things that I know, even just me personally, but there are some of you out there who have gone through more than that. There are some of you out there who maybe you're going to go through more than that. Right? But those spiritual instincts need to be on point when we're going through these things or else we're going to struggle. Or else, just like in that storm, man, when Peter took his eyes off the Lord, he sank. And so we're going to look 
at the Bible and, and see, okay, Lord, biblically, how can I do well during trials? How can I succeed? How can I actually grow, mature, develop through these times and glorify God through them, through and through, and to be able to do that? Right? And it's interesting because I wish I could point you to just one part of the Bible that tells you, but the Bible doesn't work that way. A lot of times we, we hope that we can just play Bible bingo and open to one verse or one chapter and think that it's going to tell us everything we want to know. Right? But that's not the way it is. Like, like, like Paul talks about in Acts chapter 20, he tells us that we're, we're to learn the, full, the whole counsel of God. And a lot of times, you know, people will ask me very specific questions. Well, what does the Bible say on this? What does the Bible say on that? And I'm like, well, you, you can go to specific verses for some specific topics. But there are other things that you've got to read your whole Bible. And as you read your whole Bible you'll realize you receive the whole counsel of God. And so what today is going to be, today's study is going to be, I'm going to do the best that I possibly can to pull from different areas of the Bible. I know we usually do expository teaching here at Calvary Chapel Almighty, which is what I do every week on Friday, which is what Pastor Manny does every week on Wednesday and Sunday. But today's a little bit more of what I want to do is you can even, if you're writing notes, write a guide to, to going through trial. Right? Because I want to be able to provide just different verses that the Bible gives us that we can look to and it tells us what to do when we're going through hard times, both before we go through hard times, while we're going through hard times, and after we come out of hard times. Three, before, during, and after. Before, during, and after. What do we do during that time according to Scripture as Christians? Because the Lord gives us a plethora of direction on how to be able to do it, guys. And so the first Scripture we're going to be looking at and we're going to be starting at is uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. You can turn there if you want. Um, but this, guys, is basically what you should have before trial ever comes your way. How to be prepared before you ever get hit by hard times. And it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And I'll read it to you guys here. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. I mean, you, they had the verse up there for a second as well, but you guys know this, right? The teaching of building your house upon the rock. And who's that rock? Jesus. Right? It's Jesus. And so before trial ever comes your way, have you guys ever heard the saying that if you stay ready, then you don't have to get ready? If you stay ready, then you don't have to get ready. That's a cool rap lyric, too, from a Christian song as well. If you stay ready, then you don't have to get ready. If your house is already built on the rock, meaning if you already have a strong relationship with the Lord, then you're prepared. And so now, in your time of prosperity or in your time of nothing's going wrong, you should take your walk seriously. You should be strengthening yourself. You should be building the foundation of your Christian livelihood, your walk with Jesus Christ seriously. You should be building it upon the rock of Jesus. Because that way, once the storm comes, you'll already be set. You'll already know what to do. Your house is not going to break down. 
Because we understand that if you're looking to buy a house, what's the most important thing you need to look at? It's the foundation. You need to make sure that that foundation is set in stone. Because if not, when an earthquake comes or a storm comes, that house is going to crumble. And there was a time where I remember I got together with a group of guys, and we were talking about guy things, right? Guy struggles of, of maybe lust or looking at what you shouldn't look at or anything like that. I've had many times where I've talked to different guys about that, right? And they're like, well, Randy, like, what, what can you recommend? What tips and tricks should I do, right? Like, what, what should I look at? Okay, well, try this out, try this out, right? Try praying, try doing this, right? But I'll always tell them it doesn't matter what method or tactic you use. If you don't have a strong relationship with the Lord to begin with, you will not be successful here. You won't. That applies to trial as well. Is I can give you all these methods and tactics, these different scriptures that we're going to talk about today. But if your, foundation, if your foundation is not set, how can you expect to be successful spiritually? You have to have this strong relationship with the Lord already. So this is before the trial ever comes. Spend time reading your Bible. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Build your house upon the rock. Because you're not building your house upon the rock for now. You're building it in case the storms come, which they will. So each and every day, we have to be active. We have to be in battle, building up that strength so that when the hard times come, the Lord will carry us through and we'll have that strong foundation. Right? The second thing that we have to be aware of before trial ever comes is that just simply, simply, simply this, Understanding that trial is real. Understanding that trial is possible. Understanding that trial is a possibility, that it could come to you and most likely will. Right? And I'm not trying to freak you guys out here at all, but I want you guys to understand that, man, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and we have to understand that. John Corson would always say that it ain't heaven until we get there. It ain't heaven until we get there. But I think a lot of the times what we struggle with is we try to make this life so perfect. We want it to go the way we want it to go. We want it to be amazing. And we're always hoping for that, right? But just because we hope for that doesn't mean that we shouldn't prepare for something that goes outside of that. We should always be prepared. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, Peter tells us, Beloved, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. We focus on that first part. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As in, when hard times come, don't be shocked. But we tend to be shocked a lot of the times, right? Because a lot of things blindside us, and the first thing that happens when something bad comes into our lives is we start freaking out. And a lot of the times we're like, what? I didn't know. Lord, what? Why is this happening to me? And we start freaking out as if it was never a possibility, as if it's already heaven. But that's not true. We have to live with the constant mindset of where we're at right now. This is not home. This is not perfection. This is not peace. This is not heaven where we're at right now. Hard times are always a possibility, right? And again, I'm not trying to scare you, but imagine, right? Think about the fact of maybe that there's a kid, right, trying to go to sleep, and he thinks that there's a monster in his room. What's the kid's first reaction? He hides under the blankets, right? I don't want to see it. Maybe if I don't look at it, if it doesn't know I'm here, it'll go away. That's what we do. 
is we try to think, oh, just don't think about bad things. Bad things aren't going to happen, right? And we try to hide under the covers thinking that nothing bad is ever going to happen in our lives. Is that the smartest thing to do? If there was actually a threat in that kid's room, it'd probably be the silliest thing to do is to hide under the covers and pretend like it's not there. That kid better go and get, somebody, get somebody's attention for help or do his best to fight back. And for us, we have to understand the circumstances that we're in. This is not our home. It is not perfect. It never will be. It won't be until we get to heaven. And so hard times are always a possibility. I'm, again, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. So that when hard times come, you're equipped and you don't get blindsided. You don't get hurt. Because it ain't heaven until we get there, guys. We, what we do is, yes, we can pray for the best, but we must always be prepared for the worst. Right? Pray for the best. Always be prepared for the worst. So that if worst comes, you're ready. And the Lord's with you. You've been in your Bible. You've had that foundation. You've understood that, you know what? This was a possibility. It always was because we live in a fallen world. It's a harsh reality to face, but man, the beauty about it is that one day we're not going to live in a fallen world. One day, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're going to enjoy it, and we're going to get in that, how it talks about that in Revelation, there's going to be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more devil, no more disease, no more any of that. But for now, we need to be prepared, and we have the God of the universe on our side to prepare us for that, and he loves you beyond compare. And so that's the two things. And again, this list is not exhaustive. This list is not in any particular order. It's not perfect. But I'm just going through scriptures of what we can look at and say, okay, here's a guide to what I should do before trial, during trial, and after. So we've done the before. Right? The before is make sure you have a strong foundation with the Lord. Make sure you're taking your walk seriously. And then to understand that hard times are a possibility, that we do live in a fallen world. And then now we're getting to, okay, well, how do I respond now when trial comes, when these hard times come, what do I do? What should be your first response when hard times come? Pray. Pray. Absolutely. You should pray. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. I like to pray this verse. I love to pray this verse because it reminds me of God's command to me in the times where I'm feeling uneasy, in the times where I'm scared in the times where I'm anxious, in the times where I might be depressed or worried about what's going to happen in the future. In Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, it says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Notice that, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'll give you a tip. If you're ever feeling anxious, pray that. Pray that scripture. Remind yourself of the command of the Lord, what you're to do in those times where you're feeling scared, where you're feeling anxious, when hard times have come and you don't know what to do. Because God has given us a promise. I'll read it again. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A beautiful promise. And that should be your first response when hard times do come. You don't look to man. You don't look to anybody else. You look to God himself. And the book of Hebrews says that we can run boldly to the throne of grace 
going to a God that understands everything we've been through because he's been here on earth and he's done it all himself. God loves you beyond compare. He wants you to run to him. That should always be your response. You should be praying anyway, right? But your first response when hard times come should be to pray. And the second is this. The next thing we should do. Again, not next. It's just another thing you should do. In James chapter 5, verse 13 through 14, um, James gives us very specific directions for certain circumstances that we go through. Right? And uh, in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 14, it says this. Is anyone among you suffering? We're talking about suffering. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That was crazy. If you look at that verse, uh, if we can put it back up there, if it's not, still it is. The first part, it says, is anyone among you suffering? What does the next word say? Let him pray. Right, so we're looking at that first part. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Then it continues on. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the reason I bring up this verse is because we see that first part, right? If, if you're suffering, pray. Boom. Knocks it right out of the park, right there, perfectly. But then we look at the second part of it, where it says, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And what I want to focus on here is it tells the person that is sick, right? The person that is sick, the person that is suffering is to call the elders for them to come and pray, right? And I'm not saying every time you're going through something, you have to call Pastor Manny on his cell phone, right? You, you don't have to pray with Pastor Manny. You, you can call your brothers and sisters. You can call your family. You can pray to the God himself. That's why it's the first thing it says there is anyone among you suffering, let him pray, but that's not, I'm not saying, oh, you need to call the elders every time. What I'm saying is the responsibility is on you to let someone know that you are going through hard times. Because a lot of time, what happens is we go through these hard times, and what happens for some odd reason is we isolate ourselves. Like we walk away. We don't want anybody to know what's going on. I don't want anybody to know I'm sick. Oh, I don't want to burden anybody. No, it's your responsibility. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. As in the person who is suffering, it is your responsibility to speak to someone, talk to someone, say something. Because a lot of the times, guess what? Actually, 100% of the time, you know what? We can't read minds. We can't. Pastor Manny can't. If, I mean, if any of you can, let me know. But we can't read minds. But then sometimes what happens is we don't tell anybody we're going through hard times. And then we feel isolated, and then we can even grow bitter towards other people. Oh, no one reached out to me. Oh, I had to go through that all by myself. Oh, no one helped me. It's because you didn't say anything. And I know it's not always within our nature to cry out for help or to say something, but that's what we're here for. That's why there's a bunch of people in this church right now. It's because the Lord has given us to each other to be able to carry each other's burdens, to be able to pray for one another. Don't forsake that. The Lord has given you a blessing. The greatest commodity we have is the person sitting next to you. Right? But a lot of times, we ignore that. It's our, it's our responsibility. And we can't grow bitter at God or bitter towards the church because no one did anything but because we didn't say anything. 
And I've seen it countless times. You guys have been in the church a long time. I've been in this church a long time, almost 15 years, right? And I've seen it all throughout that a lot of times our first nature is we don't want to tell anybody what we're going through. We don't want to ask for prayer. Maybe, maybe we think that's being humble. I think it's being prideful. I think it's not allowing people in. I think it's not allowing God in. Right? Oh, I don't want to bother anybody. No, the Lord tells us, hey, call somebody. Reach out. I, I feel bad when I, when I call my family or they'll call me and they're like, hey, how are you doing? Like, oh, I've been sick this whole week. Well, why didn't you say anything? A lot of times they didn't know because I just didn't say anything. And that's on my part. And I know a lot of the times we do that too, that people don't know what we're going through and we're struggling by ourselves and that's what the enemy wants. He wants us isolated. So The responsibility is on the person going through the hard times to speak up. It's a spiritual thing to do. It's a godly thing to do, to speak up. That's where we need to be, guys. The next thing, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And if you guys read 1 Peter, that book, uh, Peter's writing it to a, a bunch of different churches that are about to face a lot of persecution. They're about to face a lot of hard times. And so this is in context, this verse is in context of going through hard times. All right, so 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 10, Peter, Peter's talking to the church and he's saying, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. To have fervent love for one another. Fervent love for one another. When you're going through trial, as Peter was talking to the churches that were about to face heavy persecution, he told them, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. To take the gifts that God has given you and minister it to each other. Minister it to one another. To be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. To have unity. To be united through trial. And throughout my time as a leader, right, as, as the young adults leader, I, I've seen our church, I've seen people in the young adults go through hard times. I've seen families endure really hard times, the, lo- the losing of loved ones. All right, we talk about the family that, that just lost their son, right? And one of the first things I always tell everybody is, man, you guys need to stay united throughout this time. You need to love on one another. Because far too often, our households are, the, are, the, are, the, are chaotic. Our households are war zones, right? And we're, we're at home, and a lot of the time, we're already bickering at each other. We're already mad at each other, unfortunately, because that's our flesh. Lord willing, man, you, you have church in your home, and your, your home is led by the Lord. But I know we, we get in the flesh sometimes. We can get mad at our family members, at our spouses, at our kids, whatever. Right? We might go through these, these, these things at home. But then when that trial comes... When that trial comes, you have this crazy potential for it to get far worse. And I've seen it happen where the trial comes and now the tempers flare even more towards each other. Everybody starts getting mad at each other even more. Everybody turns on each other and the tragedy that happened turns even more tragic because everybody's mad. And it's hard. It's hard, but Peter tells us right there, above all things, have fervent love for one another. When your family or your friends, a group of you is going through trial, this is the time to get together and turn your eyes towards Jesus. 
to love on one another, to pray as a family. Maybe you don't pray as a family. I would say if you go through trial as a family, now's a good time to start, to continue to do it. Again, these are just, hopefully I'm giving you guys that, okay, I can look back on this when I'm going through hard times, and I know, because I know sometimes, guys, the things that we have in our heads, they go out the window when hard times come, when chaotic times come. But we need to look at these things and be equipped. Be equipped for the hard times that are going to come. But trial is not a time to be upset at one another. Trial is a time to understand one another, to to distribute that grace that God has given us, and to love one another. It's so important to be united as a body. We should all be praying for Pastor Manny. And as a family within your own home, be united. And the next... Next thing we should be doing during trial is to remember God's promises. Now, these are things that are going to help our spirits, that are going to encourage our spirits during these hard times. The book of Hebrews tells us, it says in Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. That's just the first part of that verse, Hebrews uh, 6.19. And if you read that chapter in context, it's talking about the promises of God. And so what do we place our hope in during hard times and even the good times? The promises of God that he gives us in his word. His promises. And because even when everything seems grim, even when something happens that we were not expecting, we can always fall back on that anchor. And the anchor is the hope that we have in God's promises, to always remind ourselves of his goodness, the things that he has promised to us, the things that he has told us, and we can rejoice because of those promises. And they will fill your spirit. They will carry you through trials. They will carry you through hard times as you rejoice and you hold on to God's promises as much as you possibly can. And the first is this. It's just the promise that God is always with you. And not even just the fact that God is always with you, but the fact that you can't escape God's presence, even if you wanted to. In Psalms 139, verses 7 through 10, is one of my favorite verses. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. There is no circumstance too high or too low that God is not with you in. Like I said, it's not that just God is with you, it's that you couldn't even escape him if you tried, because he loves you so much. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Psalms 139, 7-10. Rejoice in that promise, that even in the times where you're going through extremely hard times, that God is with you. You can't deny it. You can't get rid of it. The Lord loves you. He's stuck to you like glue. And the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You have the comforter there with you at all times. Even if it doesn't feel like it, he's there. I, when I taught the, the uh, devotional on Sunday, I, I told everybody that God's visibility is not equivalent to God's presence. 
Right? Meaning that just because you can't see God doesn't mean that he isn't there. Or just because it's easier to see God that he's any more there. God is always there. Whether he's visible to your eye or not, you can't escape his presence. And we can rejoice in that. We can truly, truly rejoice in that. And the second thing is God is working all things out. And one of my life verses that I grew up, especially all throughout high school, is just Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's all things that God is working out. Everything, the good, the bad, the things you see, the things you don't see. There's a promise from the Lord. It doesn't matter how I put it. Read that scripture. Understand that he's working together all things for good, not always for what we see as good, but for what he sees as good. And to those who, are, who love God and there are the called according to his purpose. That's another promise we can hold on to. There's another verse in Romans chapter 8 as well, 37 through 39. It says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know you guys know these verses, but I'm bringing them up so that when you go through hard times, you can look and say, Lord, you promised me that. And you can have joy. Lord, it's in your word. I, can, I can't change your text, Lord. I can't change the scripture. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I don't care what you're going through. And you are more than a conqueror if you have Jesus Christ in your heart. He's already won. He's fighting that battle for you. You need only rest. You need only look to him through no matter what it is that you're going through. God is good. There's another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. And I'm just reading a lot of scripture to you guys. You guys should be rejoicing. <laughs> because this is God's word. This is so much better. I wish I could just read the Bible to you guys rather than teach. Because God's words are so much better than mine. But 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 16 through 17, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 17. Um, you guys should be writing these down. Hopefully, <laughs> Lord really, right? Write all these down because um, these are good nuggets to keep with you, good, good uh, verses to keep in your pocket and to keep in your heart, uh, to always have with you, to remind yourself of God's goodness. Um, but Paul was telling us here in this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, basically saying that even if your outer body and maybe even your outer circumstances are suffering, that even during that time, God can be renewing your spirit. That even though the outward man is perishing, that God is renewing us day by day. And so that changes our perspective about trial. Right? Because a lot of time, trial, we're downcast, we're hurt. But understand that God said, even though your circumstances or even though your body is perishing, he can still be renewing your spirit. He can still be renewing that joy in you. That it's possible. There's a promise there. We need only look to the Lord. The next verse. Romans 8 again, verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared 
with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Basically saying, the badness level of what you could ever go through here on earth won't ever compare to the goodness level that we're going to receive in heaven. And we can look forward to that, just as Jesus did, just as the Bible says that he pressed forward for the joy set before him. That's why he went on the cross, because of the joy set before him. He looked at the goal that was ahead of him, and he knew it doesn't matter what I go through, because I know what awaits. Because I know what awaits me in heaven. I know that I'm going to be rejoicing with my Father in heaven one day. It doesn't matter what I go through here. So when I take the trials, the suffering, the hard things that I go through now, and I compare them to the glory of heaven, there's nothing here. There's absolutely nothing here. It pales in comparison. It actually disappears in comparison. That's why Paul said that it's, it's not even worthy to be compared, the bad things that we go through compared to what we have in heaven. It's a small price to pay. It's a, it, it doesn't matter. But we have to have our, that, our eyes set on that joy before us. Just as Jesus said, just as he was able to bear the cross, it was because he has his eyes set on that joy that he's going to be reconciled with us or we're going to be reconciled to him. We can look to that. The other one is, we, we all know this one, Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Very simple. During your trial, during your hard times, you just put the Lord first. And he's going to cater to your every need. Just as he clothes the lilies of the field, just as he feeds the bird of the air, he's going to take care of you. You're of more worth than the lilies of the field. You're of more worth than the birds of the air. He loves you. Do you guys understand that? Say, Jesus loves me. Yeah, you guys are starting to believe it, huh? Look at all these promises that he's given us. And I know this isn't the most joyful of sermons, but man, we can use these things as an anchor in the times that we're going through it, in the times where we feel like no one else is there. Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The other day, Alfred gave his, uh, if you guys know Alfred, he's really cool. He, he gave his, uh, his testimony at the baptisms when he got baptized, and he said, if, if it ain't good, it's not over right? If it ain't good, it's not over. And we have to understand that with the Lord, that's true. He's not done with us. If we have breath in our lungs, there's more to the story. Keep turning your pages. Keep reading. Keep staying there. The Lord has more. But we can't pause and think that just because we're in a trial that it's the end of all things. No, it's just a season. It's just a season. And God is going to continue that good work in developing you as a Christian and calling you into your ministry and calling into your, into your role, into your family, and everything. But God is going to continue to work in you. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And the last one that I have, the last promise, I, um, the, the reason I hit you guys over the head with this is you've got to understand, God loves you. So much. He has promised you so much. He's giving you his son. Jesus came and died for you. And he's giving you all of these promises. But for some reason, I promise you, when you go through hard times, all this stuff's going to go out the window. You're going to forget. We all do. I forget a lot of times. And that's why we all need these reminders, including myself, because God loves us. And in hard times, we don't know where to look sometimes. In hard times, we have so many questions. But when we don't know something, we always fall back on what we do know. We look at God's promises. We look at his word. We look at what we know to be true. 
In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You guys looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to the day I don't have to go to work. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the day that I don't have to cry anymore. I don't have to suffer. I don't have to sin anymore. And really, I'm just looking forward to being in the presence of Jesus and just being there, because that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Everything else that we do, it's all going to fade away. Everything else that we work for, that we strive for, it's all going to fade away. In the end, you're going to be standing face to face with your creator. And you're going to be rejoicing. Everything else pales in comparison, like I already said. To be in the presence of our God, just worshiping him, dancing before him like David did. I know I will be. I'm excited for that. Though I'm unworthy, though I'm a wretch, though I'm sinful, God has forgiven me because I've accepted his son. And he can do the same for each and every one of you here if you haven't accepted him already. That everything you've ever done wrong, past, present, and future, God won't count against you if you call on the name of Jesus. And you'll be able to rejoice in heaven. That's a promise. And one day there's not going to be any pain. God has promised us that. So now we have... Oh, no, actually, here. Here's the last thing for during. This, is, this has been, all been during, right? All during the trial. Um, the last thing I'll tell you guys to do is um, when you go through trial, embrace it. Don't fight it. Don't kick against the goads because either the Lord has authored it or the Lord has allowed it for whatever reason. And there are some things beyond our understanding. Some things we might not ever understand why the Lord allows or, or authors. But one, it helps you. Every single trial that you will ever go through, God can use. And God will use if you allow him to do it. In James chapter 1, verse two, uh, 2 through 4, it says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, what does it do? It produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And this doesn't mean that you're going to be joyful because there are trials. No, but this means that you can be joyful in the trial. You can rejoice. And understand that whatever it is that you're going through, whether you understand it or not, God can use it to conform you into the image of his son. But you have to be willing to be surrendered during that time and not kick against the goats. The idea of kicking against the goads is that there's oxen plowing the field and they have this mechanism when they're using sharp sticks to poke the oxen's hind legs to direct him where to go. And imagine there's sharp sticks poking your legs and you're kicking back against those sticks. You're cutting yourself. It hurts. And a lot of times, things come into our lives and we're like, Lord, I don't want it. I don't want it. Lord, no. And he's like, I'm going to do something amazing through this. No, Lord, I don't want it. I don't want it. And we start getting mad. And a lot of times what we do is we end up hurting ourselves. Right? The more that you resist the things that the Lord has allowed in your lives, the less you're going to grow. The less you're going to be like Jesus. Because he is sovereign over everything. You guys believe that? That God is seen beginning to end? He's sovereign over everything. So when the Lord allows something to come into your life, there is nothing more holy than saying, okay, Lord. Let's do it. And submitting to his will and allowing him to carry you, allowing him to perfect you. 
There is nothing better than being able to do that. There is nothing better for you than being able to do that, to count it all joy and say, okay, Lord, I know you got this. I might not understand, but you can carry me through this. So one, embrace it because it helps you. But two, embrace it because it helps others. You might not think it, but the trials that you go through have the capacity to bless other people in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. You know, there was a lot of people. Lazarus didn't do much, but there was a lot of people in John chapter 11 and 12 that got saved just because they saw Lazarus get get risen from the dead. A lot of people. To the point where the Pharisees, they wanted to kill Lazarus. They wanted to kill Lazarus because he was risen from the dead. And it's funny because in that scripture, in John chapter 11 and 12, you don't even see Lazarus talk. He doesn't say anything. He goes to dinner with Jesus and a lot of people see him after he was resurrected. And it says that the, the, the chief priests and the leaders, they wanted to kill Lazarus because many had come to Jesus because of him. But it was simply because his trial, it turned into triumph and it was public. People saw it. And so anything it is that you go through, like I said, a lot of times we try to turn, we try to hide our trials, we try to go through hard things, or we, tr- we go through hard things and, and we try to keep them uh, private. And I'm not saying that everything you go through, you have to make a public spectacle. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there is nothing more powerful than when people see you going through a hard time and you still glorify God and you still say God is good. There is nothing more powerful than that. To see you never deny Jesus Christ, although maybe he has slain you, although he has, he has allowed hard times to come into your life. Right? As I mentioned before, I had a girlfriend at the age of 21 that passed away from cancer. But yet her life was used to bring so many people to Christ because she decided to use her trial as a megaphone and publicly declare the goodness of Jesus. And many people were saved. We can do the same with our trials, whatever it is that you're going through. And that's why I, I love the opportunity to be able to teach because I can share with you the things that I've been through. And I can stand here and say, God is good. It doesn't matter what I've been through. He's the same. So understand, embrace trial because it's one, it's good for you, it's good for others. Bring people in. Allow them to witness God working things out in your life. Ask them to pray for you. A lot of times we're scared to, to ask people for prayer because, oh, what if God doesn't come through? Or, oh, what if it doesn't go the way I think it's going to go? No. God's not going to be mocked. God is always going to be glorified. Invite people to pray with you even in the times where you're, un- where you're uncertain, because then people get to witness God's hand working in your life. Do it. Embrace trial, you guys. Embrace. And so the last thing we'll look at is we've done before trial, during trial, and then now we're, once we're out of the trial, you <sighs> can breathe. The Lord is good. We're finally in some good times. Remember, it's not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. The first is this reflect on the things that the Lord has allowed in your life and be reminded of his goodness. Once you're outside of the trial, it's in the past. Don't look upon it with with hurt. Don't look upon it with sorrow. Look upon it and reflect upon God's goodness, the fact that he's brought you by his hand through those hard times. It's okay to reflect. In Psalms chapter 77, verses 11 through 2, this is a great psalm. It says, "I I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of 
and talk of your deeds. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Looking back and seeing how far God has brought you. Looking back and looking back at the things that he's, that he's brought you through. The trials, and now you're still standing. What that does is it bolsters your faith because you're reminded that if God did it then, he can do it now. He can do it in the future. It's okay to reflect. I always like to say the more reflective you are, the more effective you are for the Lord. The more reflective you are, the more effective you are. Look upon your life. Look at God's goodness and allow it to build you up in your faith. Allow it to build you up in strength in the Lord. And it'll remind you too of who you are in Christ. One of the greatest things that I got to do several months back was just share my testimony with the youth. That was a huge, huge blessing because they all got to hear it, but I also got to be reminded of it. And looking back at all the things that God has brought me through, and I just praise him for it. And it's a season of just being able to see, wow, Lord, this is who I am in you. All the things that you've brought me through, the way that you loved me through all of that, the way that you carried me through all of that. And it's a huge, huge blessing to be able to do that. And the last thing I would say to do after trial is allow your experience, or use your experience, I guess I should say, use your experience to comfort others, to comfort others in the faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, if you guys know teacher Jesse, he quoted me this verse one time when I was in a really, really, really bad time. He comforted me with this verse that talks all about comfort, that reminds us that God is the God of all comfort. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Basically saying, you have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who is going to comfort you as you're going through hard times. But what's amazing is you can use that same comfort that God is giving you to comfort others who are going through similar things. And hopefully we can all get, get to a place in our lives where no matter what it is that we go through, we can at least be grateful for one thing. God can use it. No matter what I go through, there is someone else who has also been through this very thing. And I promise you, there's nothing so specific that nobody else has gone through it. I promise you. But we should all, by God's grace, get into that place of our faith that says, no matter what I go through, I can at least be grateful for one thing. Now I understand what other people are going through. I remember the first time, and it's the only time in my life, I had a panic attack. It was in college. It was during the time where I was with my girlfriend who had cancer, and we had a, a guest speaker. Um, she wasn't there with me, but we were together at that time. And um, there was a guest speaker at my college. And the guest speaker, it was a couple, um, and the wife had gotten, like, really bad burns. And, like, they just had gone through a lot of really physical, like, heavy physical trials. And out of nowhere, it just got this heavy panic attack. I felt like I couldn't breathe. My chest was really tight. Like, out of nowhere, I wasn't even, like, thinking about anything. But out of nowhere, got a really bad panic attack. And I remember I just ran to the bathroom. I sat on, I sat on the, the toilet and just started praying. I like closed the lid, sat on it, and just started praying. And I started looking at my phone and then praying, looking at my phone and then praying. And the Lord took it away from me. But I remember sitting there saying, 
so that's what it feels like, you know? And I'm forever grateful for that one moment because now when people tell me, hey, I had a, a panic attack, I can, I can empathize. And the Lord can use me more effectively to say, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I actually know what you're going through. I've, I've been through it myself. And so now as we go through our lives, we can say, okay, Lord, whatever happens to me, I can allow the comfort that you've given me to help comfort others. And God is so glorified in that. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I quoted to you in the beginning of the study that I've been through. I've met other people who have gone through stuff like that. And we're able to minister to one another. And it's beautiful. It's crazy to be able to see what God does in those times. You think of, uh, of Mary and Elizabeth, the moms of Jesus and John the Baptist, who just so happened to be pregnant by the hand of God at the same time. Right? God brought them together to comfort one another. And he'll do the same for us. But we have to be willing to be able to share that with one another, you guys. If we have experienced it, God can better and more effectively use us in the trials that we've been through to minister to other people. And if that brings people to Christ, if that brings people to know God, it's worth it. Because what? Heaven is so much greater. It pales in comparison to the things that we've been through. And so guys, I hope that today um, was valuable for you. Uh, I know I wasn't super animated today. I know I um, wasn't, you know, telling jokes and stuff like that. But hopefully today was a time where you're able to say, hey, I walked away equipped. I have scriptures in my notebook. I have scriptures in my brain and in my heart that when these hard times come, I'm not turning away from God. Because I've seen it far too often. Like I said, been 15, year, 15 years in the church where I've seen people get hit by trial and they leave the Lord. That's probably one of the most tragic things that could happen. The Lord allows these things in our life to draw us closer to him. And as we look at his promises, we look at his goodness, we look at how much he loves us, how he died on the cross for us, trial should only cause us to run to him and to enjoy his goodness, to enjoy the fullness of joy that is experienced in his presence. God loves us. He loves us so much, you guys. I'm telling you, when you're, when you're going through trial, it's not the end. It's just the season. And the Lord is going to see you through. Jesus loves you. He wants to help you. And he's going to develop you and grow you. You guys are going to be strong, Chris. You guys are going to be strong in the Lord. You won't even doubt if you'll, ever, if you'll ever walk away. You know I'm never walking away from the Lord, regardless of what I go through.